Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and joining me tonight, as always, we have Jason and Joe. Gentlemen, that was a uh, wild, wild card weekend, quite quite entertaining. Uh, Jason, you're on cloud nine right now? Oh, man, it's it, it was an amazing weekend overall. Uh, especially for for the Phillies here um, and the uh, amazing Mets. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm pumped. It is all house money from here on out, baby. Yeah, that was uh, – honestly, that was a very, very unexpected turn in that series. But congratulations, man. You guys uh, came in, you stomped, you earned it. Good job. Yeah, and uh, I have to give a shout-out here to our – our uh, listener, Ron, who joins us usually uh, each week to kind of listen in and chat with us. And he called it last week. I think he called it in three, but he, he he's the only one out of all of us that called the Phillies winning that series. I do believe that's correct because I thought it was going to be Cardinals in three. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for your case, I'm happy that I'm wrong about that. Joe, how you doing, bud? I- I'm hanging in there, man. Um you know, a, a one and two week for the Cubs, and then Notre Dame took care of business over the weekend. It was a little dicey there toward the end, but uh, you know, you get the the Catholics and the Mormons in Las Vegas somehow. Whoever scheduled that is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty funny, actually. That's, oh, it uh, is. It's funny. It's just you know, <laughs> unexpected to say the least. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, what are you drinking to celebrate tonight? So the only reason I'm doing this is I spend the entire weekend incredibly sick, have some kind of stomach bug going on. So I'm not drinking alcohol tonight. I am going with the Canada dry ginger ale. Um, otherwise I would have been going out to find some kind of uh, victory brewing company uh, or Miller high life because they helped uh, the brewers by knocking out the Cardinals or uh, some other type of celebratory drink, but um, with the stomach issue going on, ginger ale tonight. Fair enough. I, I get that. Um, I highly recommend the uh, extra bold ginger ale. It's uh, it, more gingery, so even better on your stomach. Joe, what do you have tonight? Uh, wild turkey and Mountain Dew. Um, you know, I, I'm uh, after listening and reading some of uh, my wonderful president of baseball operations comments today. Yeah. I need something a little stiff. Dude, you're not kidding. What, what, what the hell was that bullshit? I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, it's, I feel like I've heard something similar before last year. We heard, Oh, they're going to be competitive. Yeah. I've heard that before. So let's see what happens, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, the, uh, only worse executive right now is probably Dombrowski, but at least he made a good decision today and didn't go shooting his mouth off about uh, the, why he needs an excuse for the fact that he's not going to be spending much this offseason, um, mainly because they already spent last year for this upcoming year. Yeah. Um, for me tonight, guys, good old Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing special, but hey, it is October. Weather's getting cool. We're finally out of four straight days of rain, and you know what? It's baseball. This is the best baseball season right here. I'm uh, I'm so excited for the playoffs to continue. So um, since we were on last, the regular season ended. 
Um, Atlanta clinched the division on game number 161 at Miami. Um, the nice thing about that was it meant Max Freed didn't have to pitch 162 and could get a little extra rest. But Snit said Freed was available to pitch if necessary. Um, the Phillies clinched the final wild card spot, game number 160 at Houston. Um, I saw, Jason, that the Astros put up a congratulations banner on the uh, big video board for the Phillies. I thought that was a very classy move from the Astros organization. Yeah, yeah, incredibly classy from the Astros. It just said, congrats, Philadelphia. Um, really cool to see um, team game back in there for the first time since 2011. Uh, mm-hmm. On the backs of, at the time, what was – the biggest start of Aaron Nola's career. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, so guys, now with the regular season over, um, let's look at just the teams that were eliminated before the playoffs. Um, who do you think was the biggest surprise of the season? Joe, let's start this off with you. Uh, who was your biggest surprise? Um, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm. it's sort of a, a surprise in that they were in contention so long. Um, but, um, I, I did say that the beginning of the year that the Orioles would not have the worst record in the league. So, um, they're, they're obviously the big surprise. They outperformed expectations, uh, drastically, and they made the smart moves in calling up guys like Adley Rutschman, who Jason has been high on for two years now, um, and, and getting to see him live. He's really fun to watch. So, um, you know, they, they certainly outperformed expectations. And I will say that, you know, the way I felt at, at the all-star break about my team um, second half was really good. So if they could have put two halves together, I don't know. Yeah. Especially as weak as the central was um, it, it's just crazy. to think if they didn't have that 10 and nine game losing streaks in June and July uh, where the Cubs could have ended up, maybe, maybe not quite on the edge of that third wild card, but it, it, it would have been a lot closer. We, we would potentially have an episode where all three of our teams are in the playoffs, which would be crazy fun. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe, I, I was thinking about the Orioles with that. Um, they were my good surprise team. And then I also have a bad surprise team, which could fall under biggest disappointment at the same time. Um, But my big, so I went with two different teams here, but my big surprise was actually the Brewers because I believe we thought that they would end up winning the division and they just fell off late. Uh, They started to make a run at the Phils near the end when the Phils are struggling, but they then started struggling as well. Um, For the Brewers to not be in the playoffs, uh, kind of shows the lack of depth and longevity that they had on the team, uh, especially after trading away Hater and, and, and things like that. So um, aside from the Orioles, the Brewers would be a big surprise to me. Yeah, my big surprise, um, obviously the Orioles, you guys nailed all the reasons for that. Um, looking at the American League, uh, two surprise teams for me. Number one, the Mariners. We, we thought the Mariners could be good. Um, we didn't know quite where they would fall and that they were able to slip into that last wild card break the longest non-playoff streak in uh north american sports i believe because buffalo bills finally made the playoffs um so they broke that streak so congratulations to the mariners that's awesome and uh jason that made philadelphia for a day the longest streak in baseball until they made it in it wasn't it like one day apart for the two teams 
it, it was only a couple days at, at most. Um, so yeah, so now it's the Angels. All right. <laughs> so we'll see that in like eight or ten years because Mike Trout can't stay healthy. Um, my other surprise team, though, was the Guardians. Um, I still hate the team name. I think it's kind of dumb, and I think their logo is very, very juvenile and amateuristic. But this is a team of young kids that we thought, you know, they might make some noise this year, kind of like the Red Sox last year, actually, is what I think of a lot with this year's Guardians team. You know, we thought they'd make a little bit of noise, but we thought, you know, given how strong the White Sox were supposed to be, we thought it was going to be a year coming. No, 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 no. They grabbed that division in September and said, no, this is ours. Back off. Nobody else is getting in here. And they just beat down the White Sox. They beat down the Twins. And uh, honestly, this is going to be a, they're going to be a sneaky, dangerous team to be facing, I think, in this playoffs. Um, I, I I think the Yankees better uh, bring their A game because Cleveland is looking really good going into the second round. All right. So, uh, Jason, who are you putting up as your biggest disappointment for this season? Um, if we were talking, since we're talking uh, end of regular season and not, current postseason statuses, uh, I am absolutely going with the Chicago White Sox. Um, they were too good to be that bad um, or that average. Um, I, Yeah, La, La Russa and the ownership, just not a good fit. Uh, the White Sox need a big change in the front office. Um, the good thing for them is LaRusse is already not coming back. So, yeah, uh, the Chicago White Sox easily. Joe? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with what they, um, you know, the, the, effort, the, the effort or lack of effort that they put out uh, this year, the White Sox. Um, I have a, a mouse pad I have with Ron Santo on it, and the quote says, you can have all the talent in the world. It's not going to get you through. It's what you have in your heart. And we saw a ton of talent with zero heart on the White Sox this year. Yep. You guys uh, made all my arguments for me. White Sox for me as well. Um, you, you could also, I, I think you could also look perhaps at the San Francisco Giants as well. Um, we knew they were going to regress. I, I, they were not going to win another 110 games or whatever they won last year. But I don't think any of us expected the Giants to go from 100-plus wins down to a 500 record quite like that. I mean, they crashed hard, and if it wasn't for a late push, this is a sub-500 team. And I, I know they lost some, you know, they lost Buster Posey to retirement. They lost some uh, pretty big guys in free agency, but they brought some in, and they should have still had enough talent to do a little better than 500, I think. So I would also throw the Giants up there for consideration as well for um, disappointing teams. Yeah, they were definitely somebody that I was looking at, at too, for all the reasons you mentioned. They just nobody expected that fall off so so quickly. And I think the other other team you want to throw into this mix probably is the Red Sox. I don't think any of us saw the Red Sox just falling off the planet from yeah, last year. That was that was nuts. I I will agree. I did not expect them to fall, especially not like that. And all the way down to dead last in the division and with a 481 winning percentage. That's that's nuts. Yeah. I, I didn't think they would be good. Um I had them fourth or fifth in the division. I might have had them above the Orioles. Um 
just because it, it was hard to tell what the Orioles were going to do with their young talent. Um, but to be that far off was pretty rough. Um, I mean, the top three in that division, I think we all kind of pretty much agreed on that at the beginning of the year would be uh, Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays, maybe a different order. But yeah, uh, Red Sox, ugh, that was rough. Yeah, not 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 a great year in Beantown. That's for uh, very certain. All right, guys, let's let's uh, start making some award predictions here. Let's start with um, AL MVP, which I think is going to be fairly unanimous. What we're go- who we're going to pick, but I am going to make a devil's advocate argument for the other guy as well. But uh, Joe, why don't you go first? AL MVP, uh, where are you going with this one? Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with. I, I think. You know, Jason set the standard last year, and I think this is a very good standard for the MVP. It's the most valuable player to your team, and there's no way the Yankees take that division without Aaron Judge. 100%. Um, Aaron Judge, um, he just missed out on the Triple Crown. 62 home runs, American League record. 10.6 wins above replacement you take that out they were only seven games above the blue jays uh at the end of the season for the division so you remove aaron judge from this lineup this season the yankees do not win the division so aaron judge to me is the most valuable player in the american league frankly i agree he is my pick for mvp um i think Last year, Shohei Otani got it over Vlad Jr., and I, I'm not. I I still think it should have been Vlad last year. I do. Um, we're looking at the two. You know, we're looking at two way players though, and what they're doing. I think this year Shohei actually has a much better argument though for consideration for MVP because his pitching, which I thought was it, it was fine last year, but it wasn't potentially award. You know, it wasn't on the peripheral of a Cy Young last year. This year, much, much, much better. I mean, war only 3.4 batting-wise, 34 home runs, 273, and he had 95 RBIs. Still not a bad season. It's not as good offensively as Aaron Judge. No question about that. Um, Absolutely zero arguments from me there. Um, Shohei Otani, though, pitching. For the first time ever, he actually pitched enough innings to be a qualified pitcher. Um, oh shoot, I'm sorry, my it keeps flipping to all league instead of just um, American League here. Um, he had 6.1 WAR as a pitcher this year. He had a 101 WHIP. He had a 2.33 ERA, which I know isn't near the league leaders, but 2.33 is a damn good ERA. Over 166 innings, he still struck out 219 batters, 11.9 strikeout per nine. Um, In all of baseball, he was sixth in strikeouts, and he was third in the American League. I think he makes a better argument this year for the MVP than he did last year when he won it. That said, I still think it's Aaron Judge, and I I, I don't think there really should be an argument about it. Yeah, and, and I think the reason that he ended up winning it last year, aside from the whole idea of, hey, we, we haven't seen somebody like this in so long, a two-way player, um, but the offensive numbers were closer to Vlad. So so the pitching stats kind of 
gave him that slight little bump up to put him above it. Um, even th- when the the offense was very, very comparable. This year, the offense isn't even close to the level of Aaron Judge to the point that I, I think that's why Otani will absolutely get votes as he should, but he won't have that extra slight comp- uh being able to compare to judge as far as the offense goes to make him jump judge. Yeah. I, I don't think he's able to this year. Uh, Aaron judge was far and away the best offensive player in the entire league. I, I, I don't think that can be argued by anybody. Um, you said a war over 10. I, there haven't been many seasons where you have a player who reaches 10 war. That's insane. There's people that don't even hit that for their career. Yeah. Yeah. Especially pitcher, especially relief pitchers, because they just don't play enough to collect a lot of board to start with. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm not. With, the other thing with Judge is he had 16 steals. So, I mean, we look at all the power numbers, but the fact that he stole 16 bases. I didn't realize he was that close to a 2020 season. That's really impressive. And I know he walked like a gazillion times, too, because nobody wanted to give up number 62. So, yeah, I. Like I said, I think Otani can actually make a much better case this year, but it should be Aaron Judge without a question. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jason, since your player is the reigning National League MVP for another couple weeks until the next one is crowned, who is your pick for NL MVP? It's Bryce Harper. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's Austin, it's Austin Riley. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding again. Um I was actually going it's, back and forth on this one. Um, it's not easy in the NL. There's a lot of guys. It's- it, it it was easy, um, but this the septem- the last four to six weeks that Goldschmidt had were not good at all. Um, yeah. He's he's lucky that the postseason does not count for the votes because his performance this past weekend would have absolutely knocked him out of it. Um, I, I think it's going to be Paul Goldschmidt still because he, he did, he carried the Cardinals for 90% of their season. Uh, I do think, um, I mean, he had the 7.8, uh, war 35 home runs, 115 RBI. Um, he was the most valuable player to his team as far as carrying them basically 90% of the way to the NL central title. Um, so I do think it's going to be him. I would not sleep on Manny Machado sneaking in to win this um, because I think you're going to see Nolan Arenado take some votes from Paul Goldschmidt and Manny was absolutely the most valuable player for the Padres, especially after the Fernando Tatis stuff that went on. So I, I think it's going to be Paul Goldschmidt, but I would not be surprised to see a split vote and Manny Machado sneak in. What do you think, Joe? I'm in agreement with, with you, Jason. I mean, it's it, the fact that you have, when you look at the, the hitters in the NL and Nolan Arenado is fourth and Goldschmidt is one. So to have another teammate that close to you in numbers, I think that's going to split some vote um, potentially. Um so I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I wouldn't be surprised if Machado slips in there. Yeah, looking at war, actually, Arenado accounted for more war than Goldschmidt did, 7-9 to 7-8. Uh, 
Um, they only play Arenado played three less games, one forty eight to one fifty one. So that's not so. It's basically an equal sample size. Um, two ninety three versus three seventeen on average. Arenado had more doubles, forty two to forty one. Goldschmidt had the homers, thirty five to thirty. Goldschmidt had the RBIs, one fifteen to one hundred three. Um, here's the thing though. Goldschmidt struck out 141 times. Arenado struck out 72 times. Um, and the OPS numbers are of course pretty close. 981, 891. Um, I, I, I think you guys are right. I think they're going to bounce votes off each other. It probably should be Goldschmidt, but Arenado will probably steal some votes. I could absolutely see Machado slipping in there. Um, Austin Riley will get votes this year. Um, I'm not going to call top three, probably top five though. He'll I be think. top five this year. I'll, I'll give you that this year. He'll be top yeah. five. Yeah. He's probably going to be top five. Although I, again, you look at the strong Braves team, I could absolutely see Dansby Swanson stealing some votes from him because Swanson had an incredible, honestly, I think it was the best year Swanson's ever had in his career without a doubt. So that contract year. Yeah. And uh, boy, he played for what should be a very big, juicy deal coming from Atlanta sometime in the next couple weeks once the season ends. Um, because I, I will be shocked if the Braves do not, especially after the Freeman fiasco last year, I will be shocked if they don't uh, send very, very large Binks trucks of money to Dansby's house and say, how many do you want? <laughs> As they should. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, I think you, Jason, perfect analysis, I think for NL MVP, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and honestly, don't be surprised if Freddie Freeman factors into that too, because Freddie had an absolutely ridiculous year and, you know, just, you know, we always talk about the, you know, East coast bias and you don't hear about the West coast guys. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. How often did we talk about Freddie? He was a hot hitter maybe once or twice this year because so many guys had, better like it the number of players we couldn't include on the hot hitter list because we would be talking about it for an hour is insane this year there were so many good hitting performances that got ignored and freddie i mean he did what he does very often had a high average he hit 325 oh he was actually ahead of goldschmidt i didn't realize that 47 doubles 21 homers 100 rbis five nine war season don't be surprised if Freddie's in the top 10 to making some noise as well. I think you're going to see Freddie be in the top three, honestly. Um, I can see it. And, and I think the reason for that, aside from the splitting the votes, like if, if Machado doesn't sneak through, I wouldn't be surprised to see Freddie sneak back in. Um, just because I was looking at some of the Vegas odds as far as um, some of these awards go. And Paul Goldschmidt is the, is the clear favorite um, Freddie's actually in there at second, um, followed by, I believe it was either Arenado, then Machado or Machado, then Arenado. I, I don't remember which, but, um, yeah, Freddie had a, a very under the radar year. Um, and I think it's because of just how dominant that Dodgers team has been. Yeah. It, crazy to call a 325 year under the radar, isn't it? Just nuts. <laughs> shouldn't happen all right let's uh let's move on to cy young uh uh let's start uh american league joe who is your pick for american league cy young this this is really um difficult i think it's 
it, it could easily, very easily be Verlander's to lose. Uh, most of the numbers are in his favor on that. Um, you know, the whip is 0.83 and only 29 walks and 185 strikeouts. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to ride the wave. I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to stick with Dylan Cease. The, the innings pitched, the number of strikeouts, um, the, uh, you know, he, he had a 14 and eight record. And if he had a better ball club <laughs> it, that played with some heart, he, he easily has, you know, maybe 17 wins, 18 wins. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely lost wins because of uh, a let's, let's just be polite and say lackluster offense in Chicago. Um, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, it, I, I'm taking Justin Verlander here, who's also, I think, going to win your comeback player of the year. We're not doing that analysis uh, tonight, but I think you're going to see him win comeback player of the year easily. Um, Justin Verlander, 18 and four, uh, 1.75 ERA. You mentioned the whip. Um, his wins, ERA, and whip are the highest in the American League. So looking at thinking in pa- about past winners, what they look for, um, they look for wins, but that's not the biggest thing. They really look at ERA um, and they look at whip. Um, so I think it's, you know, I, I want to say it will be close, but I honestly think Verlander is going to run away with it this year. All right. And you guys don't think this is going to be a year where um, you see a closer like Emmanuel Clase be considered um, as a front runner. You you don't think 42 saves is going to be, I don't think it is either. No, just because of how dominant the other guys, especially Verlander have been. uh, I don't think uh, Clase is going to be close. Yeah. He'll get some, Um, he'll get some votes, but he, he's not going to be anywhere near. Yeah, he should. Yeah, he should definitely receive some votes at least. Um, for well, me, be your uh, reliever of the year, though. I think. Yeah, I uh, I would be shocked if he's not. Honestly, I there wasn't a better reliever in the American League this year. Um, there's a reason he was their closer for the All Star game. Uh, he extreme, extremely earned that one. He's just been incredible for a couple seasons now. Um, I think I'm going to roll Verlander. I think, honestly, I, I really think it should be Cease. I think Cease has put up the numbers to be able to say, I am the dominant guy. But I, and as much as I hate to say this, I think Verlander's late season injury kind of helped to keep him out of a couple starts to help his numbers out. So I, I, I think it's going to be Verlander, although, yeah, Cease had one hell of a year. All right, uh, let's switch over to the National League. Um, uh, Jason, why don't you go ahead and lead off the National League? What are you thinking here, man? Sandy Alcantara. Uh, I think I predicted him at the beginning of the season, um, or I potentially brought up Zach Wheeler again, but I know we've been high on Sandy Alcantara since last year. Um, I think he's going to get it this year. Uh, 14-9, and 2.28. Six complete games, 228 innings pitched. Uh, the complete games and the innings pitched were National League highs. Um, and significantly, too. Yeah, and and I think also you look at 14-9 with the team that the Marlins had. Excuse me. Um, 
we're talking we're looking back to Dylan Cease here with that with a similar record and just having a bad team. Um but nobody jumped out as far as being the extra dominant, uh, unlike Verlander. So uh Alcantara is gonna be mine. Okay. Um, Joe, who's your pick for NL? Um I, 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 Alcantara seems like the easy pick. I'm gonna go with um and he probably will get it, but I, I do think uh, maybe because the the Dodgers just ran away with it so so quickly in the in the NL West, maybe that hurts uh, Julio Urias. So I, I mean, it, it's going to be between those two guys. I just don't know how close it's going to be. You know, Urias is an interesting choice because I was hard on the Urias train last year, if you'll remember, and he was also the only twenty game winner last year. I am going to go on record saying now that for the second year in a row, a 20-game winner is going to be ignored. Um, Kyle Wright led the majors with 21 wins, and I do not think he is going to be top five in the Cy Young. Um, To be honest, I think of Atlanta's pitchers, I I actually think Spencer Strider is going to get more um, Cy Young votes than Kyle Wright is um, with the dominating season he had. You know, it, the interesting thing, uh, strikeouts were, uh, that was Corbin Burns who led that um, at 243 in the National League. Rodon had 237, Nola 235, and then um, Alcaterra 207, Morton 205, Strider 202. So I can't remember the last time we had, first of all, we had six pitchers in the National League with 200 plus. That's that's a lot. Um, interesting. Um this one's tough. I think it's going to be Alcantara. I, I feel like I would be shocked if it's not. The innings difference compared to everybody else is just so large. And here's the crazy thing, too. 200-plus strikeouts and only uh, 50, 50 walks. So, um, you know, it's... I think it's his to lose. I, I really do. I don't know that another National League pitcher is going to, I, I agree, is going to blow us away enough to sneak in. Let me just check the war quick because that's the one thing I didn't look at. Uh, no, he's got 8.1 war. He is leading the majors in pitching war. Yeah, I'm good. Alcantara. All right. So, and then the next award we're going to look at is Rookie of the Year. Do you guys want me to lead off with it because it's going to be one of my two guys? Okay. What I really, really hope I see happen is split rookie of the year between Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. Um, They have both had absolutely incredible seasons. Um, Strider's numbers, where did they go? I'm sorry. I hit the wrong button and they disappeared. Spencer Strider, um, because let's remember, he didn't start the year as a starter. He only made 20 starts. 10 of those were quality starts. He ended with an 11-5 record, 267 ERA, 131 and two-thirds innings, struck out 202, walked 45. He only allowed 86 hits. He is the only pitcher in history to strike out 200-plus and allow 100 hits or less. No pitcher has ever done that, which is absolutely incredible. And then on the flip side, you look at Michael Harris. Michael Harris had a season to remember for an outfielder. He's already flashing a glove. That's insane. I I said it a couple times this year. It reminds me of watching Andrew Jones play center field, the plays he is able to make. He's got a great arm. 
Um, I don't have the defensive numbers handy, but I would assume he's near the top in defensive runs saved for outfielders. Um, he ended he ended the season on a 297 line. I it's really hard for I can't pick one. I think I think pitchers are going to tend to get the edge because Strider was so dominant, but honestly, so was Harris. He's he really when he came in, he charged up Atlanta's lineup and never really had a slump at any point since he came up. So I I, I think it'll be Strider. I'd really like to see it be given to both of them. What do you think, guys? Um, I actually went with Harris on this one. I think because he played more, uh, I think there's a better sampling of him. Um, I would not be surprised if it's a, if it if they do co rookie of the year, um, especially with the two of them being on the same team. Um, but Harris, two ninety seven average, nineteen home runs, sixty four RBI, five point three WAR. Um, to me he was the more dominant rookie out of the two. Those two are absolutely going to be one and two um, hands down. No question. Um, but I think the fact that Harris is an everyday player is going to help push him over the edge. Yeah. And I could see that although Strider did make the roster from opening day. So that may factor in too. Um, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement with Jason, but uh Harris playing every day certainly, I think, makes a bigger impact, probably. He, he certainly changed the entire shape of Atlanta's defensive outfield when he came up. It's such a huge change to not have to put Acuna on his ailing knee that he's still trying to recover from in center field was huge. Um, looking at the American League, uh, should, should we all just give to J-Rod and move on? I mean... I'd love to give it to our buddy in Baltimore, but man, you didn't play the whole year. J-Rod did, and J-Rod tore yeah. the record book up. And J-Rod didn't start out too great, uh, from what I remember. He struggled very early, but he he quickly found his his stride. Yeah, if, if Adley Rutschman had the full season, I think we have a very serious debate uh, about what's going on. Um, but just so that we can give some stats here um, in support of Julio here, uh, 284 average, 28 home runs, 75 RBI, and a 6.0 uh, WAR. So, I, I don't see how it's not Julio. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if it's anybody else in the American League. I really would be. Joe, you agree? Yeah, I, I would say he he obviously has made the biggest impact here, particularly toward the end of the year. Uh, so I expect it to be him. I do expect, um, you know, Bobby Witt might get a few votes. Um, but I do think it's Julio's to lose. Yeah. Agreed. All right. How about the manager of the year? Let's start in the American League. Um, a couple good candidates, I think, this year. Uh, Joe, who, who's your pick? Um, I, I, you have to – I think you have to give it – I don't remember his name, but the, the guy from the Orioles because of just the, the – Brandon Hyde. Yeah. I think I think he's got to be your leading contender based on what they were able to do. It would be between him and the Guardians, which is, is that that's not Terry still, is it? It's still Terry Francona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's either Terry Francona or, or or Hyde. I think. Jason, see, I'm torn because I would also throw a third name into the mix here, and that's Scott Surveyus of the Seattle Mariners. Um, yeah. First. 
uh, playoffs since 2001, ended a 21-year playoff drought. Um, this can go to any of those three, and I would be fine with it. Um, like Brandon Hyde, uh, Orioles were a team to lose 110 games and then come back and, and be 500. And Tito Francona, Terry, like Guardians coming with that young team winning the AL Central. Scott Cervesa and the Mariners uh, have, having a good competitive team in the AL West and, and getting a wild card berth. I can't pick between the three. Yeah. Um, I feel like the edge I can't even pick who, who the edge goes to because each of them has that one big thing that drives their case for manager of the year. Like I, I can't pick. I think I'm going to go with Francona and I'm going to go with Francona because he got the division title. That's then I'll really- take Cervais. Joe wants yeah. Hyde. You take Francona. I'll take Cervais. Cervais is yeah. going to win it since he got the say, one of the three playoffs. of us just nailed this. And, uh, Honestly, I won't be upset if it's any one of the three of us because they're all great candidates and they should be the winners. Honestly, I, I you know, we're talking about co-rookies of the year. I wish they could do co-managers, but I think with three, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think one guy's going to get just enough to edge ahead. Um, but yeah, all three of those guys, incredible seasons. Great job. All right, National League. Uh, let's see, Jason. I think it's got to come down to Thompson and Snit. Screw screw Roberts. He sucks. The, 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 only, the only thing that Roberts really has going for him is that the Dodgers won 110 games. Um, because it's very rare for a team to win 110 games. Yeah. H- however, um, sorry, I just see the comments here. <laughs> Where's Ernest with did the Mets win last night? That's uh hey patrick no they didn't. <laughs> bye-bye mets bye-bye uh, like so i i think you you're gonna see roberts have a good chance at it um the thing is that dodgers team is so stacked they should win 100 to 110 games and the nl west sucks yeah outside of the dodgers and the Padres. Um, it's so division and I, there's a big case for for Snit. Um, if if there is a co-manager, um, I I would see it being a co-manager with Snit and Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take Rob Thompson. Um, yes, I'm a Phillies fan. Yes, there's some bias to this, but honestly, the turnaround that happened the moment they brought him in was just absolutely amazing. What's yeah, yeah. what if Patrick uh, the chop? You know what, Patrick? I don't care at the moment because Phillies are on house money right now. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting them to get past the Cardinals, so everything is a bonus. And, and honestly, we'll talk about this later. Um, the Phillies know that they're playing with house money, so they can just have fun with it now. And a team that just has fun playing is a very dangerous team. Yeah, um, because there's no expectations, there's no pressure. All the pressure is on Atlanta. So, but I mean, anyway, you say that now, but you say that now. We'll see. Yeah. Um. But but anyway, I'm going with Rob Thompson. 
Um, the Phillies were seven games under 500 in on June 3rd. And after Rob Thompson took over, they were 65 and 46 and came back to get a wild card spot. Um, I, I, this is one where I do wish that postseason numbers, um, would count because Rob Thompson is the first MLB manager in history to take a team from seven games under 500 mid season and take them to a postseason series win. No manager has ever done that. They've gone to the playoffs, but they haven't won as didn't win a series. Um, but, but again, I, I, I have to, I have to go with postseason stuff doesn't matter for manager I'm, of the year though. I'm saying that's what I, I said. I wish that this is where I wish that that stuff would count. I know it doesn't. Um, but I still think the turnaround that the Phillies had with Thompson under the helm, I I give it to Rob Thompson. Um, yeah. Snicker had a great job, did a great job. You know, the Braves turned it around uh, 10 and a half games back uh, on June 3rd, the exact same day that Rob Thompson uh, took over for a fire Joe Girardi um, and came back to win the division again. And maybe that's what kind of, maybe the division is what puts Snicker over the edge. But I think from a turnaround standpoint, Thompson took a dumpster fire of a team and took them to the playoffs for the first time in, in a decade. Yeah. So I, I'm going Thompson. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with either Snit or Thompson. Honestly, I think, Either of them is yeah. the correct choice, without a doubt. Joe, what do you think? Um, I'm if there were co-managers of the year, um, to me it would not be Snit. It would be uh, Thompson and Marmol with St. Louis. Um, the way that he managed that year and and kept them in, you know, kept them in the lead for the entire year. I think, um, you know. Uh, kept kept the momentum, but I my my pick is Thompson without a doubt. But I think Marmol deserves some consideration as well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he had a great season as well. Uh, Karen, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> and Patrick, I, I think this is um, almost everybody in baseball. Honestly, is just happy that the Mets lost. I mean, talk talk about a fan base that has gone so nuts. Oh, we spent all this money. We're gonna blow it out of the water. We led. We led the NL East for a hundred and some games, and the Braves only led for like four. But the Braves somehow won the division. No, it should be no. Shut the hell up. No, it came, just like last year. It came down to the last series. Just like last year, Philly got swept. Atlanta took it and ran. The Mets got swept. Atlanta took it and ran. You have to show up for the entire season. It's a marathon for a reason. In the Olympics, if you lead 98% of the marathon, trip over your shoelace with a quarter mile to go and get third, you're third. You're not first because you led for 98% of the race, Mets fans. Suck it. <laughs> I, I'd say tell us how you really feel, but I think you got that covered. <laughs> if, if, if there is a pay-per-view of you guys watching the game together, then I'm Judge Mills Lane. I'm sitting in the middle. <laughs> I, I, I told Karen, I she, I she goes, are you and Andrew going to watch any of the games together? I said, no. She goes, Probably why? I, I, I said, 
that would just not be good for either of us. <laughs> no, I don't think it would be. Um, also, there's the small problem of MLB screwed us over by putting game one tomorrow at one o'clock and then game two on uh, Wednesday at four o'clock. Yeah. But it's the it's the reigning World Series champions and they get relegated to the earliest slots. What the hell? Well, I can I, understand that Dodgers Padres be at nine o'clock yeah, or, or even like the six or seven o'clock game, whatever, because you have the West Coast time, things like that. Yeah, but, I'm okay with that. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It's it's one where they need to switch people around. Like, yeah. you know, this is dumb. Each team usually would have one early game. Yeah, one early, one prime time. Like, yeah, and even and, on the West Coast, you can still do that. Yeah, you could still move them down to like a two o'clock, three o'clock start. They did yeah. it with Atlanta and LA last year. Yeah. So I. And yet, Ron, yeah, I, I'm not thrilled about is, that. Ron, I mow grass. I can't be watching my phone and uh, mowing fairways and rough without causing a lot of damage to the course that would get me fired. So that I'm going to have to listen to it in the earbuds tomorrow on the live feed. Yeah, I'm. And one and uh, one of my coworkers is a big Phillies fan, and he he and I are trying to figure out if there's a way for the two of us to sneak out of work early tomorrow and watch the game because uh, at one o'clock is that, that's bull crap. Did, didn't Atlanta or Philly give you guys like the uh, the form uh, doctor's excuse to to stay out of work? Uh, no, it's for kids to get one. out of school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they need they need to do the. Uh, the boss button like the NCAA does. Yeah, right. Isn't that have it up? Click the button. So um speak speaking of Rob Thompson, Jason, uh, how about the good news he got today? It's it's amazing. Uh the Phillies removed the interim tag from Rob Thompson and they signed him to a two year deal. So through this twenty twenty four season, <laughs> Ronald, yeah, you, you need to do let us know how that works tomorrow. Um but uh yeah, so Rob Thompson is officially the Phillies manager for at least the next two seasons, and it is so deserved. He he did an amazing job. All the players are out in support of him. Um, they actually, I saw a thing here where when it was announced, all the players gathered around him in Atlanta today and gave him a just like a group hug. And there's just... The team loves him. They respond to him. The, um, I think it was Nick Maton said that he is, um, he's just one of the guys, but you know he's the manager and you respect him as such. Um, uh, there was a story where it, it, there was a rough night or something and Thompson came to Nick Maton and said, hey, you're starting in the outfield tomorrow and then left. And Maton was like, he was in the showers when this happened, when Thompson's like, hey, you're in tomorrow night. And Maton just like wrapped the towel around, just like running around the clubhouse yelling, let's go, let's go, like jumping on people. Like the the team just loves him and, and their play the second half of the season showed it. So um, he's made the right, he's made the right moves. He won the playoff series. I think winning that playoff series it should have been clinched before as far as him removing it. And if they lost to the Cardinals, I still think that the tag was, would be removed, but winning the series against the Cardinals and sweeping it, 
He made the right moves with the pitchers. He made the right moves bringing Edmundo Sosa in to pinch run. Um, just absolutely brilliant the way he's managed this team so far. This um, it, it had to happen, and I knew it was going to happen. So, yeah, congratulations, Rob. I'm so excited about this. And well-deserved. Uh, he, he 100% should be the manager of the Phillies moving forward. Um, fun fact, he's the first Canadian-born manager to lead a team to the postseason. Never happened before. And he's only the fourth manager in MLB history to take over a team that was at least seven games under 500 and lead it to the postseason. The others were Dick Hauser of the 81 Royals, Cito Gaston of the 89 Blue Jays, and Jim Tracy of the 09 Rockies. Absolutely yeah. incredible turnaround. And honestly, there's only one there's only one other guy out there that I would think should have even been looked at besides Thompson, and that's uh, Schilt. And uh, I, Thompson is 100% the right guy. If they didn't make yeah. this move, then Dombrowski is going to get thrown in the uh, river. Oh, he, he would have had a revolt on his hands fr- from the fans, from the team. Yeah. Uh, and, and and as I mentioned before, you know, you mentioned all these people that took their team to the postseason taking over. He's the first one to take them to a postseason series win. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been insane not to uh, keep him on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one other, and I was not expecting this to come out of left field today. Uh, the Braves uh, extended Spencer Strider, six years, $75 million. Uh, deal includes a pair of team options that could raise the value to $102 million over 10 years, um, a $22 million club option for 29 with a $5 million buyout. Um, I, to be honest, given, his, given the fact that he has had Tommy John in the past, um, he's giving up arbitration, but he's getting up all, he's going to be getting a, good chunk of uh money for it and he's going to be guaranteed a roster spot for a long time i think it's a win-win for the player and the club good uh good deal by the braves i really expected this to drag out for at least another year though before they dropped the big deal i was not expecting this one today so uh, congratulations to strider all right joe what do you have for release the good this week yeah i released the good this week um Mookie Betts, one of the probably the best outfielder in LA uh, for the Dodgers, um, turned 30 this week on Friday um, and then had a birthday party Saturday and decided to hit the lanes on Sunday and bowled himself a perfect game. So uh, that's a heck of a weekend. You're, you're, you're resting up for the playoffs. You get to play the Padres, who you beat the crap out of this year, which has to make you feel good. You turn 30 and you bowl a perfect game. So, uh, Mookie Betts had himself a hell of a week. And uh, as our resident bowling expert, Jason, I'd like your input on his uh, bowling approach. Yeah, so I did watch it. I saw his – I've seen him throw multiple times as far as clips. Um, he has multiple 300s. Um, he had one on the, the the PBA tour or in some kind of exhibition, something like that. Um, and the video from this past weekend, it, it wasn't – a long clip. It was just of his final shot of the 12th one. And he was smooth. He was balanced at, at the foul line and the release. Perfect. The ball was uh, right outside and it just obliterated the pocket. Um, It was one where the moment it hit the pins to no chance. Um, It was a perfect shot. Clear, clear 10 pins back into the pit. So 
easy, easy, easy shot for him to make. Clearly, he was not stressed whatsoever about it, and um, beautiful shot. And thankfully, uh, Jim Joyce was nowhere uh, near the bowling alley to try and mess anything up. And uh, his manager stayed home as well, so he didn't get pulled in the ninth frame. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that wasn't nice, was it? (laughs) I I was glad to see that he carried the last shot, too, because that's... uh, the hardest thing in bowling is it's all angles. It's all like physics and things like that. And if the ball angle is not right, the pins will not deflect properly and you might leave the 10 pin. If the ball's coming in too much, it'll go right past the nine pin and leave that one standing. So um, he got the carry, which was awesome to see. Awesome. Well, good for, uh, good for Mookie. And uh, hopefully that gets him in a, Feeling good mood because I, I really don't think this is going to be a very long series coming up between the Dodgers and the Padres. Yeah. I hope it is because I want the Dodgers to get beaten up, but, uh, you know. I'm excited we got to talk a little bowling. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'll be very honest, I understood very little of it because, uh, yeah, um, I am Ball a was terrible good. bowler. Pins went down. Yeah. No, I, I got that part, but yeah, I'm not a, I, I think the best I've ever hit was like a 130 to 150. So I got halfway there. <laughs> not my sport. All right. So uh, wild card weekend. So for the first time ever, uh, baseball had the schedule set up so that it was wild card weekend, you know, kind of like what the NFL does. Personally, I, I, I don't like the three wild card teams. I've mentioned that ad nauseum. I did like how they had it set up, though. That was all in one stadium, no travel days, and it was a Friday through Sunday. I That was really good. And the fact that they were able to get a good primetime matchup Sunday night, I honestly, I'll bet more people were watching the baseball game than the football game because that was a much more interesting baseball game than football game last night. So here's what happened, although almost everybody swept, which I did not predict. So the Mariners upset the Blue Jays. They won 4-0, 10-9. And in that second game, the Mariners erased a seven-run deficit to win game two. And the Blue Jays, guys, they've lost five straight postseason games in eight of the last nine postseason games they have been in. So this is a team that really thought they were going to sneak one there, and that was just – that that seven-run comeback was insane. A- absolutely ridiculous. So congratulations to the Mariners for moving on. Um, The other series was Rays Guardians and uh, talk about a pitching series. There was very little offense. Guardians won 2-1, 1-0. And that 1-0 was a 15-inning ball game. That is the longest scoreless postseason game in baseball history. Oscar Gonzalez hit a leadoff homer in the 15th, and that was on the 432nd pitch of the game. 432nd. For the game, there were 39 strikeouts total. 20 of those were by the Rays hitters who were terrible in this series, scoring one run over two games, hitting 115, going nine for 78 with one extra base hit. That's never going to get it done. It's like watching Milwaukee anytime they make the playoffs because they never have offense. And then looking at the National League side, uh, Jason, I'll do. I'll let you hit Phillies Cardinals. Let me uh, let me have a little fun here with Padres Mets first. So. This was the only series that wasn't a sweep. 
Um, the Padres won game one against Max Scherzer seven to one. They lost the DeGrom game seven to three in game two, and then they shut the Mets out six nothing in game three. This is and crazy as this sounds, this is only the fifth time in team history that the Padres have even won a playoff series. And for the Mets, it was a scintillating season that ended with a whimper at home in front of empty seats. Because uh my god, that was uh yeah. Um, yeah. At least they set a major league baseball record. <laughs> They're the, they had the lowest amount of hits in a series clinching game with one. Yeah, absolutely. So congrats, congrats on your record. And yeah, Ron, that, if you're talking about that 15 inning game, yeah, that was like a four or five hour ball game. That thing went on forever because there was no even with no offense, it went on forever. Yeah, it was like. It was like it was like two minutes shy of five hours. I think. So, so, Andrew, does that mean you you're going to start wanting the ghost runners in playoff games now? No, hell no. Because <laughs> here's the thing: the way the Rays were hitting, they weren't going to get a ghost runner home anyway. Um, and it's that's that's the second longest uh, postseason game I can remember. I still remember the uh, Braves Astros game that went like. 17 innings like but by the end of that game i was like i i don't even care somebody needs to just this is insane just score a run please um and atlanta did end up losing that game in series because i after 17 innings i don't think anybody cared about winning they just wanted to go home and rest that was ridiculous um yeah that was so that's the longest postseason game i've seen since that 17 inning one so uh yeah that was insane um and yet the mets i mean the offense didn't show up i mean yeah game two they finally didn't degrom degrom i mean great you find you put some runs together finally and then where were you musgrove obliterated you guys in game three your um Check him for sticky stuff, which, uh, as Andrew McCutcheon tweeted out, was probably red hot um, just to try and burn and pump up his adrenaline. Or, you know, it's not sticky at all. It's not a foreign substance anyway. So even if he had it, it didn't matter anyway. Um, and after the Mets had Musgrove checked, uh, he struck out the next guy and was making some fun hand gestures at the Mets dugout, which I wholeheartedly enjoyed. Um, yeah, so the, the Mets, who will... I'm sure their fan base is going to continue to melt down and complain about the fact that they had the tied for the record with Atlanta, but you know what? It's tiebreakers. There's no game 163 this year. So suck it up, Buttercup. If you want that buy, win the division. That's all there is to it. They just had to not get swept by the Braves. Yeah. That's all they had to do. Yeah. If they would have won one game, they had the tiebreaker, and then all the pressure goes back on Atlanta. But no, yeah. they couldn't. And they lined up their best pitchers. We lined up our best pitchers, and they got beaten straight up. Yeah. So, and, and I th I think that's the thing that I really like this year uh, with having that third wild card team, um, having them on the road. You know, the short series, no travel day. Um, I thought it was really well done, and it caught it forces. Um, with the tiebreakers, it forces teams to do better against their own division. And yeah. the the Mets needed an extra win somewhere along the way. I mean, the Phillies gave them as many as they could. So, um, like, I, I, I think it's hilarious that, that the Phillies have 
13, 14 less wins than the Mets and are still playing. <laughs> Speaking of the Phillies, yeah. Jason. Real, real quick on the Mets, if I can. Yeah, go ahead, quick. Joe. Sorry. I mean, back to my, my Ron Santo quote about the White Sox, that seems to apply to these guys too. They just they – just, it feels like they gave up after that sweep sweep against Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and, and I think too, you, you go back to the, the trade deadline and we were talking that entire day and I'm like, okay, I'm hearing Wilson to the, to the Mets. I'm hearing Ian Happ to the Mets. Neither one of those things happened. They didn't get anybody. You got Darian Ruff who was, eh, and you got rid of uh, JD Davis who tore it up for San Francisco. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, you, it's prospects are one thing, but if you're going to hold on to them at, at the risk of your playoff success, you're just an idiot. Yeah. They, they didn't make any, any adjustments. Um, no. They thought they had it in the bag and they, and they coasted. Yeah. Um, the, the was, was it 101 wins? Is that what it was? Yeah. 101 wins. That's a hell of a regular season. That's a great regular season. But when you limp into the playoffs, the playoffs are not about, the best team winning the playoffs are about the hottest team winning yep and yep. and the mets limped into the playoffs and they got beat by a hot san diego padres team yeah because san diego had to push the whole way into that series because philly was right on their tail as bad as philly was playing going into the end of the year yeah they knew they couldn't slip up because philly had the tiebreaker and they did not want to drop that spot and yeah, and I, I feel like we're getting into a point with with the Mets and, and the White Sox since we brought them both up. They are becoming, in the words of Denny Green, you are who I thought you were. Yeah. Like uh, until you prove that you can win in big spots, and and as a Notre Dame fan, Brian Kelly, if you're listening, until you can prove that you can win in big spots, you're not who you think you are. No, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you're not think, as good as you think you are. Think about this too. You know the the, the Mets. This is another thing, I, a common thread I saw from the Mets fan base across Twitter and Facebook groups over the weekend. You know, they're complaining about they bring their top prospect up. And I think he went over in the Atlanta series and struck out almost every time he was up. And I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. Um, it's slipping. Alvarez. Francisco Alvarez. Alvarez, the catcher. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to bring a guy like that up and hope that he's productive in the postseason, you've got to bring him up a couple weeks before that. Yeah. And like they, they, they brought him up and he wasn't tearing triple A up this year. I mean, he was having a, he was having a fine season, but he wasn't tearing triple A up and they bring him in and throw him against Atlanta's best pitchers and Atlanta's best pitchers ate the rookie alive because he's a rookie. And let's face he might have been the Mets' top prospect, but he's not one of the top 15 prospects in baseball even. And I know the Mets fans are complaining all year because it seems like everybody Atlanta brings up from double A goes on a tear. But let's face it, that doesn't happen every year. We got lucky. We got really lucky with Harrison. Um, Grissom kind Grissom was really hot when he came up, but he was really starting to show towards the end. Yeah, he's a rookie and he's probably not quite ready for MLB yet, which is another reason why I think you see Dansby Swanson get re-signed this offseason because Grissom is not ready to take a spot on the roster quite yet. Um so yeah, something I mean, for the, for the answer, I would love 
to see what Logan has to say about it. Um, Andrew, your buddy who's a Mets fan. Um, yeah, he he wanted to be on tonight, but uh, it's today is his clinical day, so uh, he was unfortunately not able to get free for tonight. Yeah, clinical, sure, that's what it is, Logan. It, no, it is. He he has to switch a schedule around every time yeah. I've asked him to come on. No, um, no, it's good. Um, but um, I do have like one of my um friends, Todd, who uh is a Mets fan. Um, he posted this status um literally almost 24 hours ago. Um, what a disgusting finish to a magical year. 101 wins to fall flat on their face. Truly hope we haven't seen the last of DeGrom, Nimmo, Diaz, etc. in a Mets uniform. Just dot, 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 disappointing. And I think that's, that is exactly what I was feeling when I was seeing the Mets happen. Like, seeing the Mets fans in the stands, like, just that flat disappointment. Like, the expectations were very high for that Mets team this year. And yeah making the playoffs was not good enough and nor should it have been. No, with all the money they spent, no, they, they should have been shooting much higher than that. And uh, the only thing that um, the only thing that Logan said at the end of that game was what a letdown. Yeah. I, I he nailed it. That's yeah. Mets fans, you guys got a, uh, you guys got sold a uh, list of goods that did not deliver. Not when it mattered the most. Speaking of a list of goods that did not deliver, <laughs> let's look at that Phillies Cardinals series. <laughs> nice uh, transition. I like that. The series in which uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado went a combined one for 15. Yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah. going to get you a win in the postseason. Um, not going to get you a win the regular season either. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Phillies went into St. Louis. Game one, 6-3 win. Game two, a 2 nothing win. And the big takeaways here, game one, that 6-3 win, the Phillies were down 2 nothing going into the top of the ninth inning. Uh, Jose Alvarado gave up a, a walk in relief of Zach Wheeler, he walked the batter. And then next batter, he threw a cutter first pitch instead of his 100-mile-per-hour sinker for some reason. And it was left right in the middle of the plate. And uh, Yepes just hit it out to left field for a two-run homer on a day that the wind was blowing in. Um, Arenado hit, hit one that I thought was gone off the bat. Um, it was a absolute destroy, but it died at the warning track. Um, so two, nothing entering the ninth and then the Phillies just exploded mixed with, uh, primarily a Cardinals implosion, um, because Helsley, the, the closer for the, uh, Cardinals, you could tell that he wasn't right. He, he started missing with his fastball very badly. It was actually, it was dangerously bad, um, completely wild, no idea where it was going. He ended up walking some batters. The bases were loaded, hit Alec Bohm in the shoulder, which that was very close to hitting him in the head. Um, and then he came out injured, something with his, with his, uh, I believe it was his middle finger. 
And then the Phillies just hit after hit after error. Like um, Gene Segura, who was the player with the longest tenure in Major League Baseball without seeing a postseason, he came through in his moment base hit to right with the bases loaded to get two runs in for the lead. And JT Real Muto, who was the second longest tenured player in MLB without seeing the postseason, um, he started that inning off um, after a Reese Hoskins out, I believe, with a base hit to left. Um, so both of them making their first playoffs count. Um, and after an error by platinum glove winner, uh, Nolan Arenado, which I could not believe that happened. The Phillies went up six to two. Eflin came in and gave up a run in the ninth, um, but it was no big deal. Uh, so six, three win there, Zach Wheeler, his first postseason appearance, and he was just flat out dominant. Um, and then same with Aaron Nolan game two. I mentioned earlier, it was his, the start against the Astros was his biggest uh, start to date, even bigger start trying to get that win. And he pitched lights out. He and Wheeler gave up zero runs on only maybe a handful of hits over the course of like 14, 14 and a third or something like that. Um, and game two, Bryce Harper showed up the way that we Philly fans need to see him show up in the postseason. Home run leading off the second inning really took the air out of St. Louis, um, who was reeling after that game one loss. Um, a bunch of us and other people that I was talking to, it was pretty much that game that game one was the series because that was demoralizing and the Cardinals played the Cardinals played pretty well overall on on Saturday uh, but the Phillies pitchers they dominated um Rob Thompson told Alvarado that he trusted him because Alvarado's run from the day before was the first home run he gave up since August uh, or excuse me since July or June or something like that, but his first run since August. And he said, yeah, I'm going right back to him in the same position tomorrow. And he did. And Alvarado, instead of using the cutter, went to his hundred mile power sinker and got out of it. Um, it was, that was just a very fun series for me as a Phillies fan to watch, but I absolutely feel for the Cardinals who, not only saw their season come to a crashing halt after it looked like they were going to be going up one game to nothing, but it also ended the careers of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. Uh, I was glad to see that they both got hits in their final at-bats. Um, so great career for them. I'm not terribly upset that the Phillies ended their career because it means they're moving on to face the Atlanta Braves. Well, no kidding. If you wouldn't have... <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I have to say, if you were going to tell me that in the series between the Phillies and the Cardinals, that one error was going to be made by a third baseman, I would have bet all I would have bet all the house money would have been Alec Baum, not freaking platinum glove award winner Nolan Arenado. And <laughs> Alec Baum was brilliant. Yeah, he made some incredible catches. 
he he made a, an incredible catch on on Friday evening, uh, running towards uh, in foul territory, and he made two amazing diving catches. Uh, one against Arenado, actually, um, that's saved runs, saved hits. Um, yeah, the the thing that we were talking about last week, leading into this series, was for the the reason that we chose the Cardinals was we knew that the Phillies had the offense. It was a matter of them getting the hits. But where we were thinking that they might struggle would be the bullpen and the defense. The bullpen and the defense were stellar, especially that that defense. Um, the bullpen got out of jams. Um, the starters did what what I was hoping that the starters would do. And the offense actually in game one was it was more small ball, so they didn't hit a home run. Um, so yeah, the the the. T- the team that played the best won that series. Yeah, I, after that come from behind win on Friday night, I had a feeling that it, that the momentum completely swung and it was going to be the Phillies sweeping. Yeah, yeah, good job, um, Joe. Were you happy to see the uh, Redbirds get knocked out? Oh, of course, of course. Um, you know, I, I think Jason is is slowly eating away at my non. Uh, Phillies fan uh, uh, exterior when when the Cubs aren't playing, so you're slowly working me down. But um, you know, I I was listening to that that Friday game in the car on my way home from work, and I'm like, the way Helsley just fell apart, it was like yeah. the, the moment was too big for him. Um, and, and and I had a half day on Friday, so I got to actually watch the game, and it was instant the way he fell apart. It was just like like as soon as soon as JT got that base hit, it was over for him mentally. Yeah, it just, was it was done. Crazy, just crazy. Yeah, because he was one of the best relievers in the league this year. He did a great job for them all season, but fell apart when it mattered. All right, so yeah, um, Phillies move on, and um, and I've I, I've had this question a few times from a few different people. Um, just just to reiterate this, the reason Atlanta gets the Phillies and not the Dodgers, it's because baseball decided to stick with the bracket format instead of reseeding in between rounds. Um, so that is why the Dodgers have the higher seeded matchup than the Braves do. I, I don't agree with it, to be honest with you. I, I It should be Padres, Braves, Phillies, Dodgers, but that's how MLB did it. Take it up with them. It makes no sense that the number two seed gets the number six seed, not the five seed. But you know what? Whatever. This is how we're going to play it this year. All right. So looking ahead at the division round, um, obviously the big one that uh, we're all going to be watching, well, at least me and Jason, is the Phillies, the Braves. Um, We do have probables already announced. It's going to be Freed and Suarez in game one, Wright and Wheeler in game two, and then game three will either be Spencer Strider or Charlie Morton versus Aaron Nola. Um, We'll see. uh, Strider, um, he's been throwing off flat ground. They say he's going to be fine to go. He just might be an opener instead of a full starter. You know, they don't want to push the injury. 
or they might start Morton and ha- switch to Strider right away. You know, it, Snit's got options, and options are good in the postseason because you can never have enough of them. So um, I do know injury-wise, Ozzie Albies will not be playing. Um, Orlando Arcia will be the starting second baseman throughout the series, although uh, Grissom could get the start against Suarez because he hits left-handed pitching very well. Um, we'll see what Snit does there. Honestly, Jason, this is a very th- – this is going to be a really good – really good series. These are two teams that know each other extremely well. Mm-hmm. They're very well matched up. Um, you know, just quick position by position breakdown. I'd say first base, I give edge to the Braves Olsen over Hoskins. Second base, uh, Segura absolutely over Arcia. Um, if it was Aussie, we could have a better debate on that, but this is not an easy, this isn't a hard one for you. Um, uh, Dansby over um, Stott at shortstop. Um, I, I would say Riley over bomb at third base. Um, if, if bomb keeps playing the way he has been, especially oh, yeah. from that Cardinal series, that position Keep is on. dead even. Yeah. I, I'm expecting a lot of offense out of the third baseman in this series period. Um, catching uh, JT defense, hundred percent. Darno had a little bit better of a year offensively, but JT's defense is huge. And let's face it, catcher. I think defense is the more important thing than the offense. And um, and I, I think uh, JT's offense has gotten better too. I think his offense would be over Darno too. Um, you're looking at one of the only 2020 catchers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pudge was the other one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, looking across the outfield, left field, uh, Schwarber, no question. That's not even close. Center fielder is going to be Harris, no question. Right fielder is going to be Acuna, no question. And DH uh, definitely edged to Harper over Contreras. Um, starting pitching, probably slight edge to Atlanta, but this is pretty close to even. Bullpen, I'm going to give the edge to Atlanta. Um, bench, although I don't really know that the benches are going to matter that much. I, I, I guess slight edge. I, who cares? I would give that edge probably to the Phils because they have the, the players like uh, Sosa, and you have the young kids who just love to play. Yeah. Um, I'd also argue, I, I know offensively, um, Harrison Center is better than than Marsh or Veerling. Um, defense, I think, is much more balanced, especially with Marsh in there. Marsh is an excellent center fielder. He is. He's um, not better than Harris, though. No, I'm saying that is closer. I'm saying it's more oh, even. Okay, gotcha. I'm saying yeah, it's more I, Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to take Harris in this no, one. I agree, but I'm just I'm just saying I, I think it's closer than, than you're thinking. Okay, that's fair. Um, so, Jason, what's your prediction? I'm torn. Do I do I try to be realistic or do I go with my heart and what I want to happen? I'm looking at these matchups here. I don't see a sweep happening no. for either team. Nope. Um I I don't mind that Suarez is starting game one either because Suarez has had the Braves number this season, Um, especially as far as batting average goes. I'm not talking wins or losses, but as far as batting average goes, uh, Suarez has been really good against the Braves. Um, And then I love Wheeler and Nola. Um, I think you're going to see very low scoring games with Wheeler and Nola. Um, 
I, you know what? For for uh, Ronnie, FYI, it's a five game series, not a six. At least we need six to win it anyway. If if it was a seven game series, I would I would like not have any debate and be like, you know what, Braves, because of the depth that the Braves have. Being a shorter five game series, this is something that Philly can sneak out. Um, plus, the pressure's all on the Braves. The Phillies are just going to have fun playing with it. So it's all house money. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with my guys. I can't go against my guys, uh, especially knowing who you're going to take, because uh, I know we're going to have to have some kind of a wager here on this. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Phils in four. What about you, Joe? Why don't you go f- first since you're the other team in this uh, this debate here? Braves and four. Uh, I'm going to go with Ronnie on this one. I'm going to say Phil's in five. Okay. I'm glad you didn't say Phil's in six, Joe. That would have been <laughs> hilarious. Um, and um, so, so Andrew, we have to talk about this. We need we need to have some kind of podcast wager here. Yeah, I already forgot the last wager we made, and I don't think it mattered anyway. It, it was going it was going to be if the Phillies played the Braves in the wild card. Mm, right, right. But now right, we're right. playing a divisional series. So, so my thought is this: um, the 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 loser buys a six pack of beer for the winner. Okay. And the show after the series, when we start recapping it. The loser wears a jersey okay. of the other team. Yeah, that's fine. That should be fun. So I mean, you're gonna have to wear a Chipper Jones jersey because it's the only Braves jersey I currently own. But well, until my Acuna jersey comes in. <laughs> for for me, it will it will it'll have to depend on uh on it on it. Oh please, you're gonna make me wear the Harper jersey. I already know. You're gonna make me wear the Harper jersey. Hey, here's the thing: the uh, Braves are gonna win the series anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's one where I, I said this, but I know I said this when we were talking about the Phil's Cardinals series, I am just oddly relaxed about it. And I think it's because there aren't any expectations right now. The yeah. Phillies, the Phillies exceeded the expectations. So I'm just along for the ride, however long or short it may be. T- to be honest, I'm actually feeling fairly relaxed too. But for a different reason, I think Atlanta is picking up that mentality that the Yankees had in the late 90s of, oh, we've been there. We've done this. We know how to win these games now. Mm-hmm. And it, I think not their first couple of years in the postseason, they know how to play in the postseason. And I think that is going to be an edge that mm-hmm. could definitely play a factor in this series. I think you're also going to be looking at the Phillies leaders really stepping up. Um, you need Harp. Uh, the Phillies need Harper to, to show up. They need Schwarber to really show up and start mashing the ball again. And playoff Schwarber is usually really good Schwarber. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've seen that every stop along the way for Schwarber. Right. So I, I think you're going to really see, especially the team being as high from being the Cardinals. Um, I think they're just going to be having fun and they're going to be playing loose, which is going to translate into playing well um i 
having no expectations, like if I was a betting man, I would I would put money on the Braves just because the Braves are deeper. Um, I have no problem admitting that the Braves overall are deeper. The Braves overall are the better team. But again, it's yeah. not the better team that always wins. It's the hottest. And the Correct. Phillies are hot. By the way, Jason, this year in four starts, uh, Suarez went one and two against Atlanta with one no decision. He okay. did not have a great year against Atlanta. I was looking more at batting averages. Did you look at batting averages against him? Uh, had some 100s in there, some low twos, maybe a couple threes. There, there are a couple players that hit him well. Um, yeah, I, would, I, I know Acuna usually hits him pretty well. I don't, I was have, I don't have the Harris was the other. Um, but for, yeah, them, for the most part, he's, he's done okay. I'm thinking, I don't know what those losses were, but I'm thinking that they may have been fairly low scoring. It's possible that they weren't, but um, a lot of it. Uh, I eight four four one. Where was the no decision? The no decision was a seven two loss, and then the win was a one nothing. Yeah, so so I I think we'll see. I think we'll see low lower scoring games. Um, I, I think the big thing for Atlanta, and this is where Philly can sometimes catch them. Their hitters are so aggressive, they can rack up strikeouts quickly. And I think that's if Atlanta's going to win this series, they need to just hit what the Philly pitchers pitch to them and not try to force the issue mm -hmm. and know that the power is just going to come and they just need to do what they do so well. Yeah. And also just remember all year, this, this Braves team has been hella dangerous with two outs at any point in the game. And yeah. I think that's a very good thing to hopefully continue in the playoffs. It, yeah. For, for the, for the Phillies um, it's, it's going to come down to the starters getting longevity to keep the bullpen fresh because there's only a, a like three guys or so that or four guys that you can really trust. Yeah. Um, uh, trust so it's going to be longevity from the starters that is key as well as the offense getting the hits with the runners in scoring position um and starting to hit the long ball um if they can't place because the team is known to hit home runs they're not known for small ball mm -hmm. so they need to produce they need to produce <coughs> excuse me sorry <coughs> One other thing, too. Um, Atlanta's got the lefties in the bullpen to neutralize your left-handed threats. That That's another thing that's going to come down late in the game. They've got Dylan Lee. They've got A.J. Minter. You know, they've got Tyler Matzik. And those are three guys that know how to take care of lefties and, frankly, righties as well when they need to. So that's the other thing is that the, the other bad matchup for Philadelphia is that Atlanta's got really strong left-handed pitching. And that is something the Phillies tend to have trouble with. So either way, I'm expecting a great series. It's yeah. going to be a phenomenal series from start to finish. Yeah. And, um, and I'm thinking you'll see the Phillies do something similar to their lineup as they did with the Cardinals and that split up Schwarber and Harper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah, um, instead of being one and three, you're going to see them one and four again. Um, one, it worked against the Cardinals, so don't fix what isn't broken right now. Yeah, and and two, for those late innings with the lefty relievers coming in, split them up a little bit to to really try to get people on base and get around it. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't be surprised.
Yep. Should be a good series. Yeah. Um, I said this to some Cardinals fans. I'll say it to you. Um, instead of may the best team win, I like to say may the team that plays better win. Yeah. Yeah. Cause frankly, top to bottom, we are the best team. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, top to bottom, the, the Braves should be one are, are to me, they're one of the best teams in the whole league. Uh, all of MLB, not just the National League. Yeah. Um, so it's made the team that plays better win. Yeah. And that's what I love about the playoffs. All right. So the other uh, National League NLDF series, number five Padres, the number one Dodgers. As we mentioned earlier, the Dodgers absolutely kicked the ever-loving crap out of the Padres this year, kind of similar to what the Mets did to the Phillies with the same record. Um, there's only been one pitcher announced for the entire series so far, and that has been Clevenger will be the game one starter for the Padres. We don't know. The Dodgers haven't announced anything, at least when I was looking it up earlier. My assumption is that they're going to go Kershaw, Urias, and Gonsolin or Anderson. I, I, you know, Gonsolin and Anderson are fairly interchangeable. So that's my guess. I know Kershaw doesn't have a great postseason track record, but if you don't go with Kershaw in game one, you're an idiot, which granted Roberts has made plenty of questionable decisions. I don't think this will be one of them. Dave Roberts um, is officially an idiot because the announced starter is Urias for tomorrow night. You're kidding me. Against Clevenger, um, Darvish and Kershaw in game two. Um, Why? I hate Dave Roberts. No, hate nobody's him. announced for the Friday game, but – that's okay. All right. Fine, Dave. You can do that. Whatever. Um, Joe, what's your prediction? How's the series going to go? Um, I think the Padres probably get one game here. I don't know that they're going to, you know, two would be pushing it, but I don't think they take this. So I would say Dodgers in probably four uh, okay. is what I'm thinking. Um, you know, I, I think this this long layoff is not going to hurt the Dodgers. I think it could hurt some of these other teams that were off for five days because you're not usually off for five days. Yeah, I don't think that's going to affect the Dodgers hardly at all. Um, Jason, what do you think? Dodgers in four. Um, they're too deep. They're they have the Padres number. I know people are people like to say, yeah, but the regular season stuff. It's the playoffs are a whole different atmosphere. Um, people were saying that with the Phillies Cardinals. Phillies ended up winning the season series against the Cardinals. Um, but the Dodgers obliterated the Padres. Um, Dodgers in four. Yeah. Um, I'm I actually think it might be a sweep. I think the Dodgers I wouldn't be surprised. Sweep. Yeah. Let me go Dodgers in three. All right. And looking at the American League side, you've got Guardians, your three seed at the New York Yankees, the two seed. So your first three. Matchups are going to be Quantrill versus Cole, Bieber versus Cortez, McKenzie versus Severino. That's really good pitching. That's going to be a fun series to keep an eye on. Um, injury note, the Guardians have lost their setup man, right-handed pitcher Nick Sandlin, for the rest of the postseason. He had a shoulder strain. Um, this is a big loss for the Guardians. Uh, during the regular season in 46 games, he had a 5-2 and two record with a 225 as the setup man. Um, so that's a big loss for the Guardians, but the Yankees are also pretty beaten up coming in. Um, LeMahieu's questionable for the ALDS. Matt Carpenter has been confirmed he will be back. Aroldis Chapman has been ruled out and fine because he skipped a mandatory workout because I, 
I, I think he long ago checked out of this team. Well, he and, apparently said he apparently went to the team and said, unless I'm guaranteed a spot, I'm not showing up. And they said, well, you need to earn your spot. So he went to Miami and the Yankees are like, fine, stay there. Yeah. Even if the Yankees advance, I don't think he will be back. Um, they've already announced that James Talion and uh, uh, Herman will be moving into the bullpen to provide more depth because the Yankees bullpen has been obliterated by injuries. So, Jason, you talked about Philly starters needing to go deep. The Yankees need their starters to go deep because they do not have a lot of depth in that bullpen. Um, although they are definitely a team that, even though they're probably a team that doesn't want the five-day rust. They're a team that needed that time off because they have so many players banged up. Um, so, Jason, what's your prediction for this one? Because of the injuries and because, again, the, the Guardians are playing well, it's house money again where the team is just going to be having fun being where they are getting the experience. I think it's. I think it goes five. Um I give the advantage to the Yankees just from overall talent standpoint. Um, it will be close. I, I'm going to say Yankees in five. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I'm I'm going to go Guardians in five. Um, I, the the house money, the playing with nothing to lose. That that's you know never underestimate a team with nothing to lose. Yeah, I'm going to go Guardians in four. I don't think it's going to go five. I think the Guardians are going to be able to sneak it in and get it in four. And then the last game of the American League side is Mariners at Astros. And the only pitcher who was announced when I was looking earlier was Verlander will be the game one starter for the Astros. Game, I one, know. Starter, game one starter for Seattle is Logan Gilbert. Okay. Um, and nobody's been announced for game two yet. That is a matchup, Verlander versus the kid Gilbert. Yeah. Well, what um, a way to make your first postseason start. Against a postseason legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, As I'm a gonna, rookie. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm taking Verlander in this one personally. I don't know about anybody else. The kid's good. Don't get me wrong. And he's going to be a very good pitcher for a long time. Uh, I'm not taking him over Justin Verlander. Sorry, at least not in game one. Um, so this, you know, this is another one. During the regular season, uh, the Astros pretty well handled the Mariners, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, 12 and 7. So it was, you know, we weren't in blowout proportions, but that's a pretty significant number for two teams who know themselves really well. And um, also, crazy thing, there's other than Yankees, Guardians. Every other one of these matchups is interdivision in this round. How about that? So a lot of teams that are going to be very familiar with their opponent. It's a true so, series. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Joe, what's your prediction for this one? Um, I, I'm probably going to say Astros in four or five. Um, I, I think the, the way that that, Ninth, was it the sixth or seventh inning of that game against the Blue Jays went down where, but for a collision in center field, it probably doesn't get tied, at least in that inning. Um, for the Mariners, I think it, it could certainly go five, but I'm going to give the edge to Verlander because he's probably going to get at least two starts and 
you know, maybe a, a few innings in the back end if needed. Yeah. Yep. I could definitely see that. Uh, Jason, what do you think? It's hard to go against the Astros in this series, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Mariners in five. Um, okay. I, again, you look at team with nothing to lose and the way that they battled this, the, this Mariners team does not know how to quit. They're going to make you get all 27 outs. They have the rookie of the year, or who should be the rookie of the year, Julio Rodriguez. They have great starting pitching. They have a, a solid bullpen, um, good defense. I'm going to go with the Mariners in five. I'm going to go with Astros in four. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. Uh, I do think the Mariners will take at least one. Um, I will not be surprised if it's a five-game series, frankly. Um, but I think it's I, I think the Astros are just too good this year, and I don't think Seattle's quite ready yet. Next year, if this is the same series, I will probably completely flip flop and go pretty hard in on the on the Mariners. But I just I think we're a year too soon for the Mariners to knock off the Astros. But I've been wrong before, and to be honest, I would not be surprised if the Mariners do pull it off this year. And I, and I know as uh, anti-Astros as as you are, you would not be upset to be wrong this time around. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. No, I don't ever want to see the Astros franchise win a World Series ever again. They should not be allowed to since uh, their last one was badly tainted by cheating and should have been taken away from them. I say as much as I can't stand the Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers got completely screwed. Oh, boy, it's going to be a good week in playoff baseball, guys. I'm excited. I'm also ready for, I'm also happy for the fact that my physical is not until next month when my blood pressure has a chance to come back down to normal after the playoff run of this month. So, well, I mean, thank God for the small favors. Yeah, your blood pressure will be fine after the Phillies beat you this, this next week. So, you'll, you'll have plenty of time to get ready. You're one to talk. Good luck with that. I, I don't think you're backing it up. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, that's so that's the baseball that's going to be on for the rest of the week. Um, the divisional round, I believe, will end on Sunday. Did I see that right in the schedule? Hold on. I had it pulled up here. Uh, no, it, it could run into Monday next week. Game fives could run into Monday. Um, so, But we'll be back on next Monday, um, hopefully completing the wrap of the uh, – <laughs> You better not, Jason. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> completing the uh, wrap up of the, uh, you know, of the divisional series. Although we might have games going on as we're talking, so we will be giving live updates as that happens as well. Yeah. So, so, so Andrew, I know I just joked about this in our chat that we have for the podcast. Um, I, I joked everybody that I'm going to just if I'm just going to get Andrew Natty ice or something like that if if the Braves win um, but no I will clarify Andrew for our six pack it will be legitimate stuff it'll be stuff that I know you like like some sours or ciders things like that yeah that's yeah um, I I haven't had Natty ice since college and I want to keep it that way even if I am I hear current, you even if I am a current college student now uh, no <laughs> <laughs> I'm not under 21 anymore. I can buy my own beer and can buy good beer. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank God for that. 
All right, guys. So you can uh, find all the audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Spreaker. You can see us live on our YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. You can find the merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash DDAB-podcast. Follow us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash dollar dogs and beer, on the Twitter page at DDAB underscore podcast. All three of us are on Twitter. I'm at PyroLord314. Jason's at JRicker300 and Joe's at JoltonJoe35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast, LLC, and we are sponsored by the phenomenal Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Lidditz. Uh, Johnny, uh, if, if you can pull those uh, ALDS tickets, let me know. I, I would be very interested in seeing a game in Yankee Stadium. Guys, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good one.